0: Podcast. Oh my goodness, I'm having a heck of a time getting this one recorded. So, I'll uh, give you a little peek behind the curtain here. I recorded a show, a podcast last night, and didn't take the time, I guess, to fully charge my phone beforehand. So, as somewhere, as I was talking, my screen had gone silent. So basically I'm just recording this with a microphone that I plug into my phone and then I use the Motive app on my phone. Anyways, probably more than you want to know. But as a screen does, it if it's not touched and I'm not fiddling with it while I'm recording, it goes to sleep. Well, what I didn't realize was that when it went to sleep, at some point the power died on my phone because it was the battery was so low. So I had been talking, who knows how much, not that long, because I think I was probably recording for a half, I thought for about a half hour, who knows what it actually turned out to be. So at some point it just died and I was talking into a mic that wasn't recording anything. That happens, um, especially when you're a complete amateur like myself. And then just now this morning, here I am at the store attempting to re-record And I always forget to take my phone, I put it in airplane mode essentially so I can't get incoming texts or calls or things that are gonna mess up the flow of talking. And so I screwed that up and received actually a call from our alarm company, everything's fine, but I had another five minutes or so recorded that just got scrapped because I didn't have my phone in airplane mode. So so that's the, the kind of professional I am. And again, just to give you a little peek behind the curtain. So we'll try this, this third time now, hopefully as a charm, to get this one recorded and put out to you. Today's the first day of spring break for Seattle Public Schools, which is just kind of, I guess, like darkly humorous right now, given the state of things i've been i keep trying to get the kids excited like hey guys first day of spring break what are you gonna do and they just kind of roll their eyes and look at me and it's like dad we're gonna do exactly what we've been doing for the last i don't know has it been three weeks is it four has it only been one i i don't know how long the school's been out so far but anyone who's a parent right now understands that um there's really not much of a spring break happening. And it's actually, for the parents that are the bearing the brunt of the homeschooling right now, it's probably most a break for them. So I think Andrea will probably appreciate this spring break, quote unquote, more than myself or the kids just because she's not going to have to police their, um, their Zoom meetings and keep them on task and, and do all this stuff that has fallen on her plate since school let out. So, um, so that's that. It was going to be a pretty epic spring break for us. Right now, actually, we should be in Phoenix, Arizona. We would have flown down yesterday with my mom and the two kids out of Payne Field. I was really excited to fly out of Payne Field. And for me to be excited about flying, that's saying a lot because I hate flying. But I, uh, a lot of what I don't like about flying is just the the hassle and stress. And I get anxious at the airport and all that. And I thought, oh, you know what? I've never actually, maybe Painfield is more chaotic to fly out of than SeaTac, although it seems hard to believe. So anyways, that just seemed kind of fun and novel. And uh, yeah, so we should be at an Airbnb right now with a pool in the sun, with a car rental. Andrea and I would be going to see Pearl Jam tonight. And then tomorrow we would be driving to San Diego. And then all five of us would be going to see Pearl Jam Monday night in San Diego. And then from San Diego, we were gonna drive up to LA. And we were gonna surprise the kids with a a day at Disneyland. And for those of you that are listening that may know my kids, they, they don't know anything about this Disneyland trip. So it's one of those things what they don't know can't hurt them. So please, not that any of you are going to see them anyways, because we can't, but don't, don't tell Jack or Amalia anything about Disneyland because then they might really be bummed about even more than they sort of are about our current situation. And then once we were in L.A., Andrea and I were going to see one show just the two of us, and then the final night, we were all going to go again. And, you know, we're all missing out on things that we had planned to do, but it would have been really fun. Amalia would have been her first two Pearl Jam shows, which, you know, has kind of become like this rite of passage in our family now. It would have been another opportunity for three generations to be together and seeing Pearl Jam. We got to experience that already with Jack and my mom in 2018 at the first of the two home shows. And it was really cool. And so we were all very much looking forward to it. But here we are, we're gonna make the most of it. And I'm not sure what making the most of it means. Uh, Yesterday, Jack and I were playing some backyard golf. So we'll probably do some more of that. We've been, we just got Disney Plus. So we've been watching some movies, been working out in the yard, doing some family runs and bike rides. So that's that's kind of what's going on. Anyways, what I wanted to talk about last night and now this morning that I thought would be just kind of fun and a little bit, maybe a lot bit Pearl Jam related, in my 16 years or so of fitting shoes at the store, I've had some kind of interesting celebrity and sometimes non-celebrity interactions, and I'll, I'll share a couple of those right now. So the first one was not a celebrity per se, but in 2006, Eddie Vedder released the Into the Wild soundtrack. <clears throat> it's phenomenal. Hopefully lots of you have listened to it and have appreciated it and continue to appreciate it. But I was playing it in the store because really we, at Seattle Running Company, we played it pretty fast and loose with music. We would just bring our iPods in, plug them in, play them in the store. And really all Scott and Leslie cared about was that it wasn't offensive or you know, that there was a good mix and whatever. And And thankfully... So I was the manager of the store and had a lot more on my iPod than just Pearl Jam. And for the most part, the Scott and Leslie and the staff agreed. We, we played a lot off of my iPod. And so, but Into the Wild came out. I had put it on my iPod and I was playing it in the store. And I was helping this lovely older woman who came in. And... Very early on in the fifth, she said, oh, this is the End of the Wild soundtrack, isn't it? And I, I think I was a little surprised, you know, I guess because I judged based off her age or something that she wouldn't know that, although that, that was um, completely ignorant on my behalf. I was just a little taken aback. And so I said, yeah, yeah, it's really great. And she said, yeah, my, my son Stone is in a band with Eddie Vedder. They're called Pearl Jam. <laughs> I said... Yeah, I, I know Pearl Jam. They're, they're my absolute favorite band. And her face lit up and like a proud mom, she went on to tell me that just how great all the guys in the band were and, and on and on and on and told me that Stone was a runner. And he had been, she said that he had been into the store and was really a fan of the store. I'd, I'd never been there when he had come in. I, I certainly would have known. But uh, but I thought that was really nice to hear and and so that w- that was fun. The uh, the next time was after we had moved from nine one nine East Pine Street on the corner into our current space mid block nine eleven East Pine. We must have only been open in there a month or so, <clears throat> and it was just Leslie and I in the store, and Scott had. Scott McCubrey, her Leslie's husband, Not, it's confu- it was always confusing back in the day at Seattle Running Company because you would say Scott and people, it was never clear whether you were talking about McCubrey or Jurek. In this case, I'm talking about McCubrey. He was out and about running errands or something. He called the store pretty early on in the day. And as I'm talking to Scott and he's running me through probably some orders I needed to place or whatever, Front door opens up and in walks Mike McCready, Pearl Jam's lead guitar player. All of a sudden, I'm trying to play it cool and listen to Scott, but I'm absolutely fixated on the fact that Mike McCready has just walked into our store and I have no idea why. And Scott's kind of yammering on. And so Leslie comes out of the back, and because I'm on the phone, she starts, she greets him, has no idea who it is. Starts to go through the process of fitting shoes. And Scott really wasn't much of a talker, but this particular morning, he's just kind of going on and on and on. And I have no recollection of what he was talking about. It was in one ear and out the other, because all I could think about was, I need to get off the phone and somehow get involved in this fit, which shouldn't be that hard because Leslie has bookkeeping and all these other responsibilities and things she really should be doing and would rather be doing. So finally, I was able to get Scott off the phone. And I think maybe he even needed to talk to Leslie. And so I said, hey, Leslie, you know, Scott's on the phone. I can take over here if you want. And sure enough, she's like, oh, oh, that'd be great. And she, and then she said, oh, this is Brian. He's really great, you know, and uh, and handed me off to Mike in a very polite professional way and I I was kind of lucky because Leslie had already because I'd been on the phone with Scott for a while she had already watched Mike walk she had sized his feet and she'd even already gone and grabbed some shoes from down in the basement Mike has I think he's like a men's eight or maybe eight and a half and in those days those were the lean years of Seattle Running Company and Much of the reason that we had made the move from the corner into the current space was Scott and Leslie had done a big build out, put a bunch of money into the old space, and then the building sold, and the rent increased a lot, and so they sort of had to just walk away from this big investment they just put into the space. And anyways, financially, things were rough, and though now eight and eight and a half is a you know, we have lots of options. In those days, there were not lots of options. And so Mike must have told her that he was not really looking to run. He was doing some um, like boxing classes. And so he wanted something light and kind of springy. And I think maybe he had even asked about Newton's because there was a woman that was in his class that I think had come to the store and got Newton's. Anyhow... Leslie went and had grabbed the shoes already. So by the time I took over, she had already brought the shoes, which just made it a little easier because we didn't actually have Mike's eight or eight and a half Newton. So Leslie had brought up a women's 10. And um, and, because that'll fit really similar to the men's eight and a half. All right. So, yeah, full disclosure I'm here at the store and obviously have to answer ringing phones. Anyhow, what I was getting at, I think, is that Leslie had already gone through the, the explanation process of, hey, you know, we didn't have your size in men's, but this is an equivalent women's size and the color worked out. So I didn't have to, that's always kind of a tough thing to have to tell somebody, you know, is especially somebody you um, really look up to, like Mike McCready of Pearl Jam. That hey, you know, it's great that you came into our store. We don't really have the perfect option. So, anyways, Leslie had already handled all of that. So, by the time I took over, it was really just a matter of him trying on some shoes. And so, as I always did, I pulled the shoe out and took out the paper and unlaced him, slid him on his foot, laced him up. And and I just I had this sense, you know, I'd listened to enough interviews and read enough interviews and things with Mike that I knew how big a fan of music he was and how he, you know, musicians that he looked up to i have heard stories of, you know, wanting to meet them or how excited he was. I think there's a Scorpion story about wh- whatever I, you know, I know he's a huge music fan himself. And so I felt pretty comfortable telling him just straight up. I was like, just so you know, I'm a huge fan. And I guess it was a little bit of a roll of the dice cause that's probably not the most professional thing to do. But he was ecstatic. He's like, oh, that's so great. And you know, wanted to like, you know was asking me questions about, it was more than just so gracious, like, and I didn't just keep bombarding him with questions or anything, but uh, he really genuinely seemed thrilled to, to know that um, not only was I super knowledgeable about shoes and where we were in the store and, you know, so professional there, but also that I was such a huge fan and he was excited to hear it and just couldn't have been any nicer about it. You know, there was no awkwardness at all. He was very thrilled. And so he went outside and I think ran around a little bit in him, jumped up and down, ultimately settled on some Newtons and, and yeah, bought them and as he was checking out, he reached down into his front pocket and he said, oh, here, you might like this, and gave me a, a guitar pick You know, that was a custom Mike McCready Pearl Jam guitar pick. And it was just, and it was an incredible interaction. And when he left, I raced into the back and I was like, Leslie, do you have any idea who that was? And she's like, who, the guy that I was, that I started fitting for shoes? And I said, yeah. And she's like, no, I have no idea. And I said, that was, that's Mike McCready, Pearl Jam's lead guitarist. And she was like, what? waha. <laughs> because Leslie was a, also a Pearl Jam fan, but clearly um, or is a Pearl Jam fan, there's no was there, uh, is a Pearl Jam fan, but clearly not to the, uh, to the same extent that, that I am. So that, that was a lot of fun. Mike came in again not long after. He was training for, uh, he's done a couple half marathons as far as I know with the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation and he had been in again after that and was again super nice and so that was really cool and then at one point stone came into the store to get fitted for shoes and i'm sure you know he's a great guy he's a little more reserved than than mike and so i wasn't as comfortable telling him for some reason that i was such a huge fan but my he was so nice and it never came up i i didn't I just I you know you can get a vibe from somebody's behavior and I just didn't want to make him feel uncomfortable at all in the store and so I didn't say anything. But my my absolute favorite part of fitting stone was that he's such a practical individual. This is how I interpreted it that as he took his shoes off and his socks, I couldn't help but notice that he was wearing Pearl Jam branded like Pearl Jam logoed socks that, that, you know, you can buy through their website. And I thought that is, that's just the best. He's clearly not wearing those to show off anything. He probably has a box full of them and they're nice socks. And it's like, well, why not? It's, it's just so practical and so perfectly stoned from my, you know, 30,000 foot view of him. But, uh, but so that that was my favorite part about him. But he was also, he I, as far as I can tell, is the the runner of the band. And Mike told me as much when I was talking to Mike. He was talking about each of the other guys in the band, and he was talking like, you know, Jeff's super into skateboarding, and um, and Ed does yoga and surfs and stand up paddle boards and whatever. And he's like, and Stone Stone's the real runner in the band. And so then when Stone had come in you know, we were talking a little bit about it and he was asking me about my running and Phil was actually in the store too. Phil Kochuk, he and I were both working and Stone was asking us like, well, how far do you guys run? And we got started talking about ultras and, and he was just genuinely blown away by the distances we were running. And it was cool because, you know, here I am a huge fan and so impressed at the fact that he's who he is and what he's accomplished, and yet he was not blowing smoke up our asses. He was legitimately enthralled with hearing about 100-mile races. So just, just super great. And then another fun one, which is kind of... I'm going to run out of time here, and the phone's going to ring again, so I've got to wrap this up. But another one that was pretty fun, I won't go into all the backstory, but I had the opportunity to go and fit Adam Carolla for shoes at the Moore Theater, I think in 2010 or 11. And again, it's kind of a long story how we got there. But basically, we were I was instructed, and I had two friends with me that were just along for the ride. I was instructed to just stand at the back of the the line that he's going to come out after the show. He'll sign things. Just stand at the back of that line, and then we'll go. Backstage or whatever, and I can fit him for shoes. So we did just that, and got up there and met Adam, and he was super nice. And he's like, "Well, hey, why don't let's head backstage and you guys can have a beer and some snacks, and um, and we'll hang out back there." So we we walk through the moor and into the back room, and he opened up the fridge, and a couple of his people were there as well. And I remember thinking, like. It was just MGD, which I was like, huh, would have thought maybe like uh, some sort of micro brew or something, but whatever, you know, I, I was happy to enjoy a, uh, an MGD, which I hadn't had probably since college. And we walked out on, so we, we cracked open the beers and he's like, hey, come on out here. You ought to see the stage from my, my angle. So we walk out onto the empty Moore stage looking from the stage toward the, the seats it was pretty cool. And um, and again, because I can't help myself, I said, hey, you know, Adam, I don't know if you know this, but if you've ever seen the Even Flow video, that was shot here in the moor. And when Eddie's crawling up there, that's right there. And he's like, what? Nobody's told me that. He's like, I love Pearl Jam. I love that song I, and just totally loved the story and was kind of um, in... I think in a little bit of shock and dismay that no one had yet taken the time to explain that to him. And so then we went back into the the little green room area, and I had Brannocks and whatnot, and I measured his feet and had socks and whatever. And then um, he was super impressed with the whole process. And though I didn't, you know, it's it's much like virtual fitting, I guess, except I actually was there but none of the stock was in the same place where, where we were at the time. And so um, I got the shipping address and whatever and, and sent him shoes afterward. And he very nicely like sent me a, a photo back a week or so later of him on stage, I think in Chicago with the Saucony guides that I'd fit him in and he said they were great. And anyways, that was a really cool experience too, especially that I was able to, to drop a little bit of Pearl Jam knowledge on him and then really the the topper of all toppers so stone's been in a couple more times always is super exciting well in 2016 i went back and i ran western states finally again 10 years after nearly winning in 2006 and you know that's a story in and of itself but there was a lot riding on my 2016 um return to Western States, whether it was self-imposed or not. I, you know, I just felt like it was very important that I go back and finish. And I, one of the things I did was I have a friend, Chris, who works with and for Mike. And I just texted him one day. I was like, Hey, Chris, you know, if you're willing to ask Mike, I'd love to know, like, what's a song that, is, that he thinks would be really meaningful to like lyrically that would that I could focus on if if I'm having a bad day at western states. and um, or you know kind of like what what pearl jam songs does Mike think are kind of most applicable to a 100 mile running? And um, and so Chris got back to me pretty quick and he's like, oh man, Mike's super inspired by this and you know, there's um given to fly and. Uh, what was the other one he said? And then he's like, and then inside job, is you know that's really the song to to focus on, and it's a song Mike wrote, and uh, it's an incredible song. So I thought that that's so cool. Just that the fact that Mike had taken the time to to even respond to that, I was like, man, just such a such a great guy. And Chris is amazing that he did that too. Well, so then I'll, maybe. Two weeks after that, I was in the store. I'm fitting another guy. We're, I'm about to watch him run outside, so I'm walking outside with this gentleman. And I was at the store with Dan Ald, who's now our manager at Capitol Hill. And as I'm walking out of the store, there's another man standing by our nutrition. And as I walked by, I glanced over to, you know, to say hi, not knowing anything about this person, and as they turned and looked at me, I realized, oh my gosh, that's Mike McCready, and he said, hey, Brian, and I just very casually was like, oh, hey, Mike. Meanwhile, my heart's racing, and I was like, what the heck? Mike McCready's back in the store. What's going on? And so I'm trying to watch this guy run up and down the sidewalk. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, shoes look great. Shoes look great. Uh, Give me just a second, would you? And so as I walked back in, Mike walks right up to me. He shakes my hand. He's like, hey, I just... I wanted to come and wish you luck in person for for your big race. Chris told me all about it. He's like, I really think, um, you know, "Inside Job" is the the song that you should you should focus on. And uh, he's like, yeah, you know, it's just there's some really powerful, meaningful lyrics in there. And it turned out he was over at Molly Moon's with his family getting ice cream, and then decided he was going to pop over and wish me luck while he was there. And it was just, it was incredible and so meaningful. And um, I, yeah, I mean, it honestly, it it sort of just gives me chills. And even talking about it right now, it's hard to even imagine that's true. But so, um, yeah. Let's see, I was just thinking about the uh, the lyric really that he was super f- focused on was how I choose to feel is how I am. And I can't tell you how much I drew from that actually during the race. In fact, I had this Patagonia hat that I took the artistic liberty to make a little Pearl Jam, um, like my own little Pearl Jam art on the the front of it and then on the underside I wrote how I choose to feel is how I am and it's you know it's kind of a it's weird what we can draw inspiration from because there were several times during that day in 2016 I was not having a good day and I would pull the hat off and I'd look at that and I'd say yeah, I would just tell myself like okay yeah things aren't going right but you can you can still, you're the, you're steering the ship. You can, you can still make the most out of this. And Andrea reminded me several times throughout the day that, cause I think she was really worried that I wasn't going to finish. She just kept saying like, remember, Mike McCready knows that you're doing this race. Like he came out of his way to come to the store, wish you luck. You know, Don't, don't screw this up. Like Mike McCready knows you're running. I'm like, yeah, I get it. Andrea, Mike McCready knows I'm running and uh but it was it was super meaningful and impactful and it's just the best and so uh, yeah, with that, I think I'll conclude so hopefully you enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed the retelling and reliving of those experiences that were pretty much all um tied to pearl jam so you c- you can start to sense a general theme of my uh my podcasts I'm always. Much like my newsletter intros to the store, always trying to weave Pearl Jam in. All right. Well, enjoy spring break.